I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, USU, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Krafchick, as we explore this crazy dateable world. What's up, Datables? Welcome to another episode of Datable, a show all about modern dating where we like to dig into the whys of people's behavior (laughs) and why they say the things that they say. We are in the off season officially. Mm -hmm. We just wrapped season 12. It does not mean the content stops. It just means that we're taking a little break to figure out what season 13 looks like for you all. Is there a theme? Who are the experts we want to bring in? Mm -hmm. What are the stories we want to touch upon? But in the off season, we still have these regular episodes for you of bonus content. 
Yes, we never stop. Never sleep over here. But happy Pride, UA. Happy Pride. That's right. Well, the episode you're about to listen to is we actually did a live stream last week all about Pride. And it was so freaking amazing. We decided to turn it into this bonus episode. This was not on our agenda, but it was in the moment. We're like, this is way too good. It needs to get shared with the rest of the world that might not be in the Facebook group. Or we also did a live stream on YouTube. That was fun. We had a false start, though. We, we did. We did. We had some uh, technical glitches. UA and I were live for like 10 minutes and no one could see us. So <laughs> good times. When it was actually live. really <laughs> hilarious. We went live and Julie and I were like turning up the energy. Yeah. And then our guest came on and he was like, I don't think we're live. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was like one of those epic moments that doing this for five years, you're just like, how the fuck did we do that? But we managed to. It's bound to happen. I was like, I'm going to blame it on Facebook's uh, new user interface because they changed it. But it was probably a user error. Probably forgot to just hit that button that says go live. It's bound to happen. <laughs> We've never gone live on YouTube before. It's bound to happen. Okay. Yeah, but we somehow messed it up on YouTube and Facebook, which was the best. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't anyways, matter. We weren't live, and then we did. We're, we so were not we're the stars of the show anyways. <laughs> so the stars of the show, they really, like, everything. I just walked away from that just being like, holy shit, I feel like I learned so much. I feel so much more, like, connected to all people in our community. And, you know, I think a big part of this was, like, how can we all be allies? Whether you're in the LGBTQ community or not, how can you be an ally? And we were lucky enough to have... One of our hosts and moderators, Ryan, and his boyfriend, who we met during COVID, who has now joined the group Matt. also, Matt, who I love so much. He's just the most adorable. So sweet. <laughs> and he is now a dateable listener also. We're like, that's what you do. You find your person, then you both become dateable listeners and you stay dateable <laughs> together. This and is the evolution. in the family with <laughs> Exactly. Us. Because staying dateable does not end after you're not single. <laughs> but we had the two of them and then they also... we. I think one of the things that I'm really glad Ryan and Matt pushed for was intersectionality. So they really made it like that we need to have a lot of diverse representation. And I think I just like never fully registered it until they said it. But they were like, when people think of LGBTQ, they think of gay men. Gay men. Yeah. Gay white men specifically. Mm -hmm. And they were like, while that is some people, it is definitely not the colors of the rainbow. It is not representing everyone. So they really made a stance to be like, we need to include people of different ethnicities and races. We need to include people of, you know, that are bisexual, that are asexual, like genderqueer. Like, like we really hit it all, which was amazing. So I really want to just like give Ryan and Matt another shout out for just like really making that push to do this because I think it was so important and they brought it up that the theme of pride this year is a lot with intersectionality. It was really enlightening for us because our mission for Datable is to provide a platform for people to tell their stories. And in no way, shape, or form can Julie and I even represent a sliver of the LGBTQ plus community. So we tapped into Ryan and Matt and, and you know, basically gave them this responsibility mm -hmm. of holding something that was way bigger than we imagined. Because I think, uh, admittedly, I also thought, well, it, as long as we have gay men represented, mm -hmm. we're good. 
right? They can talk about pride. And they really pushed us and said, ladies, we got to get more <laughs> representation here. We cannot be the only people talking about our community because there's so many different facets of who we are. And it touched upon like kind of my own feelings about Asian American community. When people feel like they have one Asian American representing mm-hmm. on a panel, they think they've rep- checked off the box. And that's right. not the case. There are just so many voices out there. So this panel or this discussion that we had was also not all inclusive. Obviously, we can't be Mm -hmm. all inclusive, everyone, but we try to get as much diversity as possible. Yes. I mean, again, I walked away learning so much. I'm not going to even like start to go into all the learnings because I don't want to like distract from what all these people are about to say, the knowledge bombs. But I just think the in. The sentiment in that live stream, just like I felt so like warm and fuzzy afterwards. And I think all the people that participated did as well. I feel like just the general consensus of people in the community being like, wow, that was so well spoken. Wow, I never thought about it that way. Wow, like I'm learning something new. Like that is what being dateable is about. And like you said, UA, like you and I bring a heteronormative perspective. Mm -hmm. And while dateable is definitely open to all voices, like we can only go so far. So I think having the platform open that we could all continue to learn and like really stay true to our community, which is the dateable community, in addition to all the subset communities. Something we really want to push for all of our listeners to do is to be more open-minded to episodes Mm -hmm. that when you look at the title, you think Mm. it does not apply to you. We see it in our numbers. Some of the more (laughs) fringe episodes don't get as many listens, probably because you look at the title and you're like, this doesn't have anything to do with me. I can guarantee you these episodes will, will probably teach you more than the episodes that you can relate to because you are looking at this from a completely different perspective and psychological. Psychologically, they always say, if you want to look at something, if you're stuck in something and if you want to get a fresh perspective, look at it upside down. You literally go upside down, look at it. This is how I see these episodes. You're looking at dating from an upside down view and it can give you more perspective and more insights. So we highly encourage you to look, go back to all the episodes that you skipped because you didn't think it related to you. Go back and re-listen because I bet you'll find some really great learnings from those. Yeah. And it gives you empathy. I think that was the biggest thing I took away from it, too, because like, I think all of us struggle with identity, right? But I think a lot of people in the LGBTQ community really struggle with identity because you're basically we we talked Mm. about this, like you, you live in a heteronormative world. That's what you see on TV. That's like the, you know, what you're supposed to fit into this box. And I can see why it's really challenging when you're like, I don't fit into this box. Like, what do I do from here? And that is like a lot of self-development and while yeah like everyone has some self-development I definitely think by hearing the stories of the members that spoke it really just like put in perspective like how much like journey people go on to like be their authentic selves and I think that's something everyone can take away. Think about it this way we can all relate to not being the identity that society tells you you should be. Mm -hmm. Me as a 40 year old my identity should be Mm -hmm. a married mother of two and I'm not. It's the same 
same thing because the default is, oh, at a certain age, at a certain stage in life, you should be this thing. But we live in a world where you can be anything and we just mm -hmm. have to get rid of all those default settings. And this really level sets our mindset when it comes to default setting. Anyways, this was, we're going to like, so we're, good. we're not going to keep going because we just need to pass it over to them for so continued good. on. But there's just so much good in this. So super excited. I'm really, really excited for this. Something I've been doing recently. So uh, moving on to the next topic <laughs> before we talk too much about the topic we're about to talk about <laughs> is uh, something I'm really into lately is dreams. I've talked about this before. You know, I kept tr track of my dreams for a couple months. But recently I listened to this one, uh, another podcast. I know, I know. I listened Cheating to Cheating on us. Just <laughs> Cheating on us. And, okay. <laughs> and this podcast is all about why your brain doesn't stop working when you're asleep. In fact, your brain is consistently trying to work on your real world mm. problems when you're asleep. And that's why you should pay attention to your dreams because they may offer solutions to your real life problems. So I've been keeping track of all my dreams for the last couple months, and I'm going to start uh, organizing the dreams into categories and making sense of them. But I, I, I can already see there's one theme that has already resolved a problem for me in my work life that I've already implemented. So I'm highly encouraging you all, and you too, Julie, just as soon as you wake up, just try to remember what is the last dream you had. I can guarantee you in like three months, you can see a theme and then it can maybe help you solve something. Interesting. I mean, I have so many questions, but first of all, this could be the unlocking of, you know, why we're in whatever state we are, whatever flocks we are with our relationships and dating lives. So I think that's super fascinating. I've had some really fucked up dreams, so I'd yes! love to know like where they come from. But you ain't, don't leave me hanging. Like, how did it help you? I need to know. Oh my gosh. So it's, uh, so your dreams are from the subconscious and they're without your feelings and emotions. Your your brain is not filtering your dream. So your dreams are kind of like the free-for-all. And it's kind of scary sometimes, right? That's why some of us have these really fucked up dreams. But I'm starting to see this theme in my dreams where I see other people's happiness mm. and I... Um, and then I transform myself into them. It, I, I don't know how to like best describe this, but I would observe someone's accomplishment or celebration from a third party, from a third person perspective. And then by the end of the dream, I've transformed into that person. So that tells me that in my real life, I can't be so passive in observing mm. other people's accomplishments that I can become this myself. And if I believe that I can accomplish this, then I can live it and feel it instead of just dreaming it. And that's been a major light bulb moment for me. That is so deep. I've had some <laughs> dreams where I've hooked up with people that I, I'm like, why? This oh. is not someone I would ever in real life. What does that mean? I, I see that. I don't know. I have those <laughs> dreams too. Like I random ass people. Yeah. Random ass people. I cheat on my boyfriend in my dreams. <laughs> and in my dreams, I know I'm cheating on him. And the, I, I had a dream that I, I cheated on my boyfriend with like the UPS delivery guy. <laughs> And what does the, that mean? <laughs> and the next day, this UPS guy came, and I couldn't even look at him because I was like, what oh if my God. What if I fall in love with this guy? 
why. Oh my I don't god. Know. Julie, I'm not a dream interpreter. That that shit I can't understand at all. But maybe that just means <laughs> that on the subconscious that we have these different um sexual curiosities and it's not about the person we're hooking up with. It's just our brain is like, okay, well, in the subconscious, I'm not in a monogamous relationship. So I should go out and explore what's like to be with other people. Wow. So mine was before I was in a relationship, but it was with one of our past guests. I will not say who. Oh, <laughs> wait. Hold up. And I was like, I woke Hold up. Hold up. No, 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 no. I'm not letting you get away. I was horrified. I was no, horrified. No, 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 no. I can't say it. I can't say it. I can't say it. I was Can so I horrified. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't want to put it on air. Okay. <laughs> it obviously means nothing, but it was just like one of those moments that I woke up and now everyone's going to be guessing, which is Okay, for fun all too. y'all listening, can you please just screenshot this right now and DM us or tag us on Instagram with your guess of who Julie hooked up with in her in dream, who was a past guest. Was it in the recent, recent seasons? Just give us that. No, it's digging back a few. It's digging back a few. It was it was a weird dream, weird ass dream. And I woke up very disturbed. I'll just leave it at that. Anyways, let's move on. (laughs) Do you all see how Julie does this shit to me all the time? She'll be like, I something happened, but I'm not I can't say I can't tell you anything. I'm just gonna leave you hanging. It's gonna drive me fucking. It's a cliffhanger. It's a cliffhanger. I'm going to dream about it that's, tonight. That's the whole point is to drive you a nuts. This is my whole master plan. My dream will be about your dream tonight. Yeah. I'm, I'm putting that, that is intention so meta. in my head. That is so meta. Super meta. <laughs> I, last night I had a dream that I, in my dream I, I had this – I did something to to my boyfriend. It wasn't sexual. We did had a conversation. <laughs> and then my second dream was that I told him about the dream I had. How – how and then you woke up, up in that? real and life and up, you told the dream about told the dream about the dream about the about dream. The dream. <laughs> He's like, "What the fuck?" He's like, "Please go, please go away, put away the vodka. It's too early. Like, go home. I You're can't, drunk. I can't do this. I can't do this." <laughs> He's so like, funny. Can I just leave me alone. Okay, well, let's go from the dreams to the present. Have you noticed something different about me, UA? Your hair looks fantastic. <laughs> I was going to say it earlier. I have been dying for a haircut, like dying. Because, okay, people that don't live in California or maybe San Francisco more specific, you probably have had no issues getting a haircut. I have been hitting up my person for like four months now. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'll be back in May. I'll be back in June. I'll be back in nope. July. And eventually I just went to someone else because I'm like, I can't anymore. Like my hair is a freaking like crazy person today. So yeah, I feel so much better. What? Did you dye it too? Yes, I did. Yeah, it looks great. I was going to say something earlier. Sorry, well, it, was, it was pretty bad before. So it was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is the longest I've been. So yes, it is much approved, but I'm looking good. Not to toot my own horn, but I have a really good dinner tonight that I'm taking my boyfriend for his birthday to this like really nice restaurant that got a hot has- date. Only has three tables this place. And it's supposed to be like super creative. Like the food, like it's all a theme. I don't know. I'll have to report back after. What's it called? So the restaurant is called Merchant Roots. 
and they only have three tables. What? It's funny. I was like telling another friend about it. And she's like, I'm convinced there's a drug operation. How would they survive off three tables? That's it's what like, I'm saying. Because it's like, it's not cheap by any means, but it's not like so expensive either. Like It's, it's not like $4,000 no, a table. No, it's, I mean, it's like, uh, yeah, it's not crazy expensive. It's like not that much more than like another restaurant. And, um, but it's like a tasting menu. They have like a theme. It's like a in bloom flower. So it's going to be like a lot of like. I love it. And I guess they like decorate the whole area. So I'm going to take a lot of photos and I'll tell you about it. Please but I'm very excited. Report but back. the best part is I don't have to do my hair. And we're like getting dressed up, which is very exciting. I love that. How fun. A romantic night out with the boo. Yeah, we're also eating at 5.30 p.m. early birthday. Yeah, special. okay, that's the part we probably should tell people. It was. It's also an AARP restaurant. <laughs> well, they only have two seatings because they only have three tables. So you basically had 5.30 and 8.30, and the only option was outdoors because the indoor was booked. So I'm like, maybe we should do 5.30 because it'll be warmer. Yeah. And we went, we went back and forth. Should we do 8.30? Should we do – because 8.30 is like a little late when you're outdoors, in SF at least. It's fine. You'll be there with Ethel and Bruce. (laughs) (laughs) You're in good company. People listening are probably like, this sounded really cool, and now it sounds really fucking lame. Like, what happened? I'm guessing this is one of those like multi course. Oh yeah, yeah, it's things, like right? s- eight courses. I like did not. If eat If you much are today. starting at eight thirty, you would be done oh my at God, midnight. Yeah, you don't exactly. want that. Exactly. We're like we want to go out and do stuff after. Yeah. So you start at five thirty. We're gonna be out at eight <laughs> thirty. I mean, you'll definitely be done by eight because you they need to turn because over they the need table. the table. Yeah. That's true. But you're <laughs> but it's good because at least afterwards you can just like digest. Versus, I hate going home from a full meal and then you go that. straight to bed. Yeah. It's just, That's what I was thinking of. Exactly. Exactly. So, okay, you're helping me re-justify the 5.30 time. This is exactly what was going through my mind at the beginning. But then I was like, did I make a mistake and should have booked 8.30? But I'm still good. secretly judging just for fun <laughs> because you won't tell me who you slept with in your dream. <laughs> even now she's like i need to bring it back to that i'm not gonna let this go yeah as soon you guys as soon as we stop recording and we're like who the fuck did you fuck who I'm did like you photo 90 percent who did i photo <laughs> photo in florida um 90 percent sure i already told you like when the dream happened like i think i woke up and texted you so i'm like 90 percent sure i'm not holding anything back from you but anyways i'm trying to just keep our listeners on their toes that's really what my ulterior motive is <laughs> maybe you need to do an instagram poll see what people respond <laughs> with their guests <laughs> i'm putting it up right now do you see i'm just literally oh putting it up right now <laughs> If if you have to guess who Julie is sleeping with, <laughs> okay, this is how rumors get started with who I'm sleeping with as a past guest in my dream like eight months ago. <laughs> Let's Contrary to popular belief, Julie and I do not play that as a drinking game. Like who who would you fuck? Like who's a past guest? We don't. Maybe we, we don't should. look at our guests that. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't tell people no, if we no. do that. Maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we shouldn't. You always like we never do this. 
We never do this. Grab your, never, grab never, your tequila now. Never. Let's talk never. about it. it. There's Our subconscious is so fucking crazy. And I love it because it's the <laughs> unfiltered side of you. So for anybody who, who works like in law, who works in oh, yeah. education, you need to just listen to your dreams because that's like the, the wild side of who you are. The, the authentic set. The authentic. Speaking of our subconscious filter, should we read this question that we got this week? <laughs> I want to read this question every morning when I wake up because it literally makes my day. <laughs> the best part is we usually try to keep them in theme, but we're like, you know what? We're just going to throw this question out today. It is not in the pride theme whatsoever, but maybe it is. You know, everyone... Yeah, you could make it work for you. We love you all for sending in sex questions because some of you think this is a sex podcast, which I personally take as a compliment. Right. I learned that a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> and we these sex questions are just really good. But there's one in particular that we had to uh, really call out because it's, it's probably the best sex question we've gotten. Y'all ready for this? Okay. Whoever sent this in, we would love to... We'd love to know. <laughs> this is only sent it in this is second. This is second to the dick pic we got once. That will always we be the number one. Di- and that was not a question. It was a statement. <laughs> she was like, I received a dick dick pic. I just want to share. And also, I just want to clarify, it wasn't like a listener's dick. It was like a listener's date's dick. Like three dicks removed. <laughs> three dicks. <laughs> Aren't we all three dicks removed? Like whoever you're dating, who's like Are that is a deep I know question. That is a deep. I know a dick who knows a dick who knows this dick. Six <laughs> degrees of seven, Kevin Bacon, and three dicks removed from anybody you date, man or woman. So, the, so, oh so here's gosh. a question, anonymous question. No, no joke here. This person asks: Is sex better with socks on? Okay. <laughs> I okay, I don't want no judgment. I'm trying not to judge the question. I'm laughing, but I'm no judgment. <laughs> Is sex better with socks on? Okay, but we wanted to validate this question because we were like, "Is this a joke?" We really thought, "Is this a joke or is this a legitimate question?" So we Googled it. It is like one of the most Google questions it on really the interwebs, is. guys. I have never thought about it either way. Have you ever like? Has it even crossed your minds, Julie? I've it has crossed. My mind when the guy I've slept with kept his socks on. I'm like, what the fuck? Why are why are your socks on? You are naked with socks on. That is very unattractive. What if that has happened? The, what if you're just in the moment and you forget to take your socks off? Okay. I'm pretty sure taking <laughs> off your pants takes a lot more effort than taking your socks off. Come on, dude. This is, like, not cool. I don't know. Maybe there's, like, a kink fetish of keeping your socks on. Like, you know, like, sometimes it's, like, hotter when you, like, keep, like, a bra on. Maybe, yeah, like, keeping yeah, your I socks mean, Yes, on. a bra is sexy. <laughs> keeping your what panties if, on, that's sexy. What if you got, sexy. like, mesh, like, like mesh socks? <laughs> Nylon socks? That's not thinking like, you know, like <laughs> nylon socks that you were under low. Yeah. <laughs> like that hey, hot. If 
you know, it could be like the rainbow for pride. You could go like, you could celebrate all different things. I would love to ask all my <laughs> friends who are celebrating pride if they would think <laughs> rainbow socks <laughs> would be so hot. Glitter and socks? What about glitter socks? <laughs> what, it, the only sexy socks I can think of are no socks. Okay. <laughs> Look, I don't care if you have socks or not. I'm not thinking of, like, I, it just wouldn't phase me either way. I don't I don't think I'd even fucking notice. That's, like, first of all. Like, it probably wouldn't even cross mm. my mind. I mean, you, if... I, why don't you try it out tonight and let me know if you, <laughs> if you notice or not. It's very noticeable to me. There's a freaking naked body with just socks on. That is very noticeable. Maybe I'm not as observant as you. <laughs> you would also feel it. That's true. I don't know. That could feel nice if they were like soft socks. Maybe this is a good thing. Soft socks or like socks with like massaging yeah, things this, on the massaging I beads. don't know. I mean, the fact that it's a very popular Google question, I feel like there's more than we're missing. I do wonder if it's a functionality <laughs> thing. Better grip, right? Like, it's grip like those socks, the like with those like little like grippies at the bottom. <laughs> You know, yeah, like, like grip onto the back, <laughs> grip onto the back of someone's calves. I don't know. It, like it gives you better friction. Is it like, yeah, is it better grip? Is it like if you're cold and, um, you know, instead of like the heat ex- escaping through your feet, now all the heat can go to your vagina and your genitals? <laughs> Maybe there's something with that. I don't, I don't know. We need to do more research. Yes. Before we move on, because I know we've, we've oh, hammered this no, topic never, in. No, I do want to just on. like, I want to say, like, obviously someone wrote in this question. Obviously, it's a Googled question. Like, let's just take maybe a second to think of like, why this would be good. Like, why would someone want to do this? Can you think of anything outside of the grip idea that you had? Let's just assume it's normal socks. Yeah, I mean, it could be one of those things where someone does have a foot fetish. Mm. So you're covering the one coveted bottom part. So it could be a little sexy. Or it's like a strip kind of thing. Like keep the socks on until you're ready to strip it all off. (laughs) And then you're fully naked. So it's like a game. Yeah. I mean, maybe that could be a game or you you multi-purpose the socks, like take it off and use it as like, um, <laughs> I don't know, bl- <laughs> blindfolds <laughs> or handcuffs. Someone took their like sweaty foot sock <laughs> and put it on <laughs> my eyes. Like, no, that would do it for me. I don't care if they keep their socks on, but don't put it as a blindfold for me. Like, that's where I draw the line. I will, t- I will bet you a million dollars if someone into that (laughs) foot stink in their eye Um, someone's into it I think we've officially beat this topic to death if you are into socks if you are down with socks please let us know maybe there's something obvious that we're missing the only thing I could think of is it's like sometimes it gets cold at night and you want to like warm your feet I don't know right but how does that make (laughs) sex better the question is is sex better with socks it's not like, are you warmer with socks? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're not cold, maybe it would make sex. I don't know. Now I'm like pulling. But anyways, let's move on to some announcements because I don't know how we can, how much more yeah, we can go I with really hope question. we helped you with that, whoever sent that question <laughs> in. <laughs> I'm going to have to do some research. I know. 
This one stumped us, guys. This one stumped us. It really stumped. And very few questions stump us, but this one in nope. particular. Nope. We're going to do some investigative research for that one. Okay, okay, moving on. Quick announcements. Well, definitely follow us on Instagram. We've been growing like crazy on Instagram. You obviously want to take this poll that's about to go out. So definitely. Obviously. If there's no better time to follow us on Instagram, it's right now. So at Dateable Podcast, you can find us there. We also put up really beautiful, inspirational quotes. We have um, funny quotes. We have clips of our past guests. All sorts of fun things on Instagram. Really, really selling it, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> I think people know what an Instagram account usually has. She's like, and then we have videos. And sometimes we have Sometimes captions. we put a photo of the two of us up there. <laughs> sometimes we have reels. Shit gets, <laughs> shit gets crazy on the yeah. IG. Yeah, keeping you guys on your toes. <laughs> oh. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> socks. Oh my God. That should um, be our next post. It's just socks. Just socks. Socks. That's it. Okay. Then, All right, we'll know, it. then we'll know who really listens. That will yes. be our true test. Uh, our other announcement, you know, join Love in the Time of Corona. Eventually, we're going to have to change that name. But Love in the Time of Corona is our Facebook group. Love in the Time of Corona by the Dateable Podcast is what you search for. This is our public group. This is where some of the live streams happen. This is where you can, you know, connect to your fellow Dateables, the Dateable listeners. There's a lot of Dateable meetups happening lately. Freaking amazing. There was one in Philly the other week. Chicago is happening. DC uh, rally. There was one at rally the oh, other day. Oh, there was there? Wow. Yep. Um, New York's still happening. New, New York, York's still do, happening. They do regular they, ones. Yep. There's all sorts. I mean, yeah, LA, a bunch have happened. There's also a, a bunch of people flying out to San Francisco to meet up from all over in September. So this, this is amazing. We love it. We love seeing you all connect with each other. And the way that people are connected is because they form deep bonds in the sounding board. That's really been the root of a lot of the people that are organizing these. A lot of these people have been each other's like COVID confidants. And, you know, like the confidants through this entire, like they're entire dating process really each other's sounding boards so check out datablepodcast.com slash sounding board if you kind of want to take things to the next level we have a great community in there and yeah only good things to say about everyone in there (laughs) only good things let's do a quick message from our sponsor This episode is brought to you by Z-Man Games, an array of fun games for adults, one of which is called Love Letter. Now, in this card game, your goal is to win the heart of the noble princess who is looking for an ideal partner and confidant to help with her royal duties when she one day assumes the throne. Your goal is to enlist the characters in the castle to deliver your love letter while keeping other players' letters away. It's trickier than it sounds. Powerful cards lead to early gains but make you a target and rely on weaker cards for too long and your letter may be tossed in the fire. I find it to be a fun and nice 20 minute mental break during the day. This two to six player card game fits in your pocket so you can take it with you anywhere. Love Letter is appropriate for ages 10 and up and is available for $11.99 through Z-Man Games. You can find it at Target, your local game store, or directly through Z-Man's web store. 
This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to ViaHemp.com and use the code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's ViaHemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from ViaHemp. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash dateable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Okay, so shall we turn it over to Ryan and Matt and all of our special guests to talk all about intersectionality and pride. Happy Pride! We are so excited to be here for our special live Yay. Pride edition. Happy Pride, everyone. What What are we doing here? We are celebrating Pride, but I think we also need to understand why we celebrate Pride and why it's important for us to understand the history of Pride. And we are leaving it up to people who are part of the LGBTQ plus community to talk about their own experiences and really enlighten us with the things that we probably don't understand. Like as, as straight heteronormative women that we are, 
I'm just speaking for Julie and I, there's a whole other community that we are not part of, but we want to understand even more. And that's why we want to celebrate this community. And we want to celebrate all of our listeners who are part of the LGBTQ plus community. Exactly. And we are so honored that we have Ryan and Matt who are going to be leading the charge on the live stream. But we also have a ton of special guests from the community. So everyone can hear a bunch of folks unique experiences and stories. And the goal of this is really to like, understand why do we celebrate pride and become the allies that we all can be and support each other because that's what dateable really means so shall we bring (laughs) on our dateable couple let's do it all right right yes we have a dateable couple so who who better to lead the charge here without further ado let's turn it over to uh matt and ryan yay here they come here they are hi All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us for this special live broadcast of our uh, Pride coverage here. Basically, we really wanted to, um, when Julie and UA asked me if I'd be willing to do something like this, obviously my response was yes, but. (laughs) Always a yes, but. Um, And then I went and talked to Matt. She asked if Matt would like to join for it as well. And the first thing that Matt said to me was... As long as you make it intersectional. Yeah. So that was kind of a big thing. We really wanted to make sure that we had a broad scope of people that we were able to join, speak their different intersectionalities, and really kind of bring some of that uh, openness that we really have in the LGBTQ plus community to the table here. So really, it's about shared experiences, understanding one another, and how not just from outside of the community, but even within the community, we can do more in our allyship to each other. Because ultimately, civil rights fights are not just for one aspect of that uh, LGBTQ plus community. Throughout the history of it, it's really been, you know, so much crossovers. It's it's really a, a, a constant fight for what we can all have uh, equality together for eventually. So, (laughs) and that comes through that understanding of each other's intersectionality. So the first thing we really wanted to cover on it was a little bit of LGBTQ plus history. And unfortunately, it is a little bit skewed towards American history on that. So sorry to some of our international friends here. But the big thing that we really wanted to touch on here is how LGBTQ plus history is not usually just isolated to fighting for our rights. It's usually coupled with civil rights uh, fights in general. In general. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of just start by touching on um, women's suffrage and women's activism in the U.S., which is really kind of a big part of LGBTQ plus history that's overlooked. A lot of the active members of the women's rights movements were actually members of the lesbian community or the genderqueer community, um, women who slept with women. And that is kind of a big portion of where their fight for independence or liberation from men, you know, having autonomy for themselves came from. I mean, yes, it was a lot of housewives as well. It was a lot of um, married women um, wanting to be represented as well. But there were a lot of leading members of that movement that were part of the lesbian community. 
So one of those big members was Jane Adams. A lot of people are really familiar with this person. Um, she founded the Hull House, which actually housed a lot of immigrants from all over the world. That actually brought her in with a lot of communities. So she really kind of was a driving force for this women, uh, women's rights movement. She was someone who constantly fought not just for women's rights, but all women's rights. The women's rights movement actually had a tendency to sometimes skew towards just white women. After the passing of the 15th Amendment, they were left out of uh, right to vote during that. So they really re-geared towards that and kept it uh, as an inclusive thing so that when women's suffrage 19th Amendment passed in 1920, they were able to uh, make sure that it was for all women, not just specific women. Moving into Stonewall, things a little more current, um, we've had a lot of problems with Hollywood representing it as a bit of a whitewash, even a, lar a large backlash towards a, uh, I believe it was 2015 film, um, because most of the characters were represented as white men, uh, cisgendered men. However, a lot of the characters that were active in that actual historic event were a lot of black trans women and a lot of trans men and women just in general, gender queer women and men. So it was unfairly represented in that historical recanting of it. Marsha P. Johnson, Sevilla, uh, Sevilla, Sevilla Rivera, uh, members like that were just not shown for the characters that they were. And these are people who went on fighting for LGBTQ plus rights after that. So it's interesting that that's an odd thing that we're not seeing with history. Right. And of course, the first Pride Parade was the year after Stonewall and every year after that on June 29th to commemorate the anniversary of Stonewall to spearhead gay liberation. And I think it's interesting how pretty much throughout history, Pride events have taken on a different fight in each portion of history. So in 1970, you had the celebration of Stonewall, gay liberation, basically being able to be seen in public, be gay, repealing of sodomy laws that in some states were still around. And then throughout the 80s and early 90s, you had a turn towards addressing the HIV AIDS epidemic, which I think we're going to talk about a little bit later. Yeah. And then, you know, in the 1990s to 2000s, it was all about marriage. And now that we have that passed, we're starting to be better about being intersectional, about really focusing on the members of our community who need the most attention, who are the most structurally marginalized groups. So Pride every year takes on a different meaning, but still links back to the history that we have throughout history pretty much right and so that was kind of the big thing um even with like women's rights movement um with members like jane adams and other members of that community they set aside lesbian rights and coupled it in with just women's rights in general and women's autonomy in general and then we have current day things such as like the black lives matter movement i think pride last year um really took a shift to try and help support a lot of the of black members of the community because it was such a pivotal time for us to set forward and do that. And that's why it's so key in, in LGBT history because it's not just one person's fight. It's such a wide arcing rainbow that we're all included under. And it's such a key thing for us to, to really keep focusing on the intersectionality, learning about each other and understanding each other so that we can all work together towards that common goal. So that brings us probably into our first guest, uh, guest here, which is going to be Brian. Everybody knows him and loves him as the most dateable. So I think now would be a great time to go ahead and bring him on in. Hello, everyone. Ryan hey, Brian. Adams. How's it going? 
So um, something that we didn't do when we first started was, and we're going to do this all the way throughout, is we're going to really kind of allow everyone to represent themselves the way that they want to freely represent themselves here. It is a safe and comfortable space. So as everyone knows, I'm Ryan. Hi. I identify as he, him, and I am a cisgendered gay male. Uh, Matt, my pronouns are he, him, and I am also a cisgendered gay male. Okay. And we've now welcomed in Brian. Um, I'm going to hand the floor over to you to speak freely. Thank you, Ryan, Matt, and also thank you for organizing this. This is an amazing thing that we're doing, um, and it's great recognition, I think, for the queer people uh, in the dateable community um, who are listening and you know want to hear more voices as well. My name is Brian. For those of you who don't know, I am a cis gay man, um, and I use he, him pronouns as well. Yeah, I wanted to just talk a little bit about kind of what pride means to me and kind of where I'm at with my journey. I talked a little bit about this in my episode on healing your dating wounds, but for me, pride really means a time to celebrate us. As queer people, we don't always have the permission, unfortunately, to celebrate us. And pride is the one time of the year that we are kind of given that. It's a time to acknowledge the progress we've made and specifically all the fighting that past generations have done so that we can have the rights and freedoms we have today. It's also a time to reflect on what our generation uh, needs to do in order to keep pushing the agenda so that future generations can continue to have even more freedoms and rights as the movement moves on. For me, Understanding what pride is and what it means to me has been a slow journey. I was raised in the Catholic Church in a very conservative part of the U.S., as many have been. Yeah. <laughs> and in, in that kind of background, you don't hear the most positive messages. Um, gay was synonymous with cancer. It was synonymous with sin, immoral. Um, a lot of things, messages were given to me at a young age that really impacted not just how I viewed queer people, but how I really viewed myself. And this was also further impacted. Um, I'm a parent of an immigrant, so there's a lot of expectation around specifically being a man and what that means with carrying on family traditions, carrying on family names. And so there was a lot of, I guess you could say, walls into my coming out process. And while it's easy to sort of focus on those things as derogatory, in a lot of ways it did help me come to understand who it is I eventually want to become. So you'll hear this kind of talked about a lot in queer spaces, but there's often this journey of how do we become our authentic self? Because we spend so much time in our youth being someone else, because that's what we kind of have to do to pass. But it's not usually until we're adults, and usually as well until we have a little bit of therapy, that we really understand what it means to live <laughs> as an authentic self. And really, I just wanted to lay that out as a little bit of my journey yeah. and specifically kind of talk a bit about where I'm at now, which is with what it means to be an ally. And I think oftentimes with allyship, it's a bit of a buzzword. It's thrown around in politics. Um, it's thrown around on social media. But those who aren't really in the advocacy space probably don't know too much about allyship. When I first started really meeting other people in the community, not just gay people, but also bisexual people, pansexual people, and even more recently, trans and non-binary people. It was a process. It is a process. And for me, allyship really means being willing to learn, being willing to listen, 
and being willing to take a step back and show up for others. So even as queer people, we don't always have, we don't always know everything. We have to do our own education ourselves. And I think that's something that I would really like to hit home on is a lot of people listening to this are going to be straight. And you may be wondering, well, how can I show up for my queer friends, uh, my gay friends, my lesbian friends, my trans friends? Showing up for me really means being authentic and trying to make that connection. So it's really easy, for instance, to make a post or to like a status, but I would actually challenge people to go a little further than that. Strike up a conversation with someone who maybe is someone you wouldn't normally talk to. Try to see things from someone else's point of view. Maybe go to a listening forum at your university and learn about a topic that you're not familiar with that has to do with queer history or the queer experience. There are a lot of ways you can put yourself out there and show up for others in queer spaces and non-queer spaces. And I think that really is the first step to true authentic allyship. And that's something I wanted to communicate. Yeah, that's super beautiful. And honestly, like, it, it's really interesting that you noted on um, kind of like the self-loathing that's instilled within, you know, being raised Catholic, because I definitely felt that myself. And even, you know, like you said, struggling with self-identity for the longest time, I can remember, you know, my parents even saying like, oh, do you have a crush on this girl, you know, whatever. And like, of course, then you, you know, you're not even really sure of what's happening. So yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I've got a crush on that girl or whatever, you know, and you struggle with that so long um, that like it, it is kind of that's the new thing is like trying to really find your place and your belonging, right? So I, I think it's great that you're making that challenge because it's honestly really one of the biggest things that a lot of people can do is is helping making people feel welcome in in that space, um, allowing their friends and their family, whoever they are, to really kind of feel safe and and okay to be that person through that self identity and and encouraging to understand that person more. It's really awesome. So yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that bit with us, Brian, and I think that that's great advice as well. So I actually have a, a question for you, Brian, to um, you know just kind of keep it moving. So you talked about being your authentic self, and I, I think that's a really important part of being a member of this community is really trying to find who you are. There are so many different facets. You mentioned therapy uh, as somewhat of a joke, but um, what steps have you taken to really come to terms with your own identity or your own sexuality? If there's any listeners that are in the closet or you know struggling to figure themselves out, what would you recommend for them? Yeah, that's a really good question and also a very big question to answer. Um, <laughs> In a short, compact. Yes, <laughs> yes. Hmm. It's interesting because my answer would change if I was a much younger person versus someone where I'm kind of at in my life stage now. For me, it's been a long process. So when I first came out, um, I was met with both kind of acceptance, but then a lot of not acceptance. My journey with acceptance really came back to my journey with myself. So I think when we throw on acceptance, we kind of, people generally think, oh, I need to come out to other people. I need other people to accept me. And that's really more of the surface value of it. While coming out to other people is an important step. Learning to come out to yourself, learning to be comfortable in your own skin, learning to challenge the derogatory negative things society and people have told you about yourself and really um, understand this internal battle that you've been fighting for so long. That's where the real work happens. Yeah, yeah totally. It definitely does. 
Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think that that's a really amazing thing to suggest to people. And I, again, I think it really is just opening the floor for that communication to happen and, and allowing people to, to feel comfortable for that. So that is a, a really great thing to present. I will uh, go ahead and allow for us to open up for our next guest. Brian, thank you so much for joining us and uh, sharing your experiences with us. It was really a privilege to have you on. Thanks. So our next guest is actually somebody who has been on the podcast before. Also, a quick plug for Brian. If you haven't checked out his episode, he did have an episode this season. Go check that out. It's really great. He talks on mental health and it's amazing. Our next guest is actually somebody who talks about something that Matt has kind of talked about at length in speech and debate because Matt does a lot of or did a lot of that in college. I um, did. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's going to touch on kind of the intersectionality between race and the LGBT community. Um, they haven't always had the best relationship um, a perfect example is Bayard Rustin, who organized the March on Washington for MLK, but was largely cast out of the gay rights movement due to his sexuality. And then on the same side, you see a lot of racism by white gay men uh, expressed to other races um, in our community, unfortunately. And so our next speaker has a lot of experience and actually did a whole episode on it, I believe. Mm -hmm. So, Yep. So let's go ahead and bring Chris in. Hey, Chris. <laughs> hey. How's it going? Looking good. Liking the uh, pride tank. Very Thanks. colorful. Uh, Target pride collection. <laughs> yeah. Me <Him> too. <laughs> yes. I got those rainbow ice cream cones on. You know, we're sporting it. Rainbow colors yeah. here. <laughs> well, thank you so much for uh, joining us. I would love to go ahead and hand it over for you to um, let everyone know how you self-identify. Yeah, great. So, yeah, and thanks so much for organizing this and, and leading this discussion. This is a super important discussion to have. Yeah, well, uh, my name's Chris. I'm a uh, cis, a gay male, uh, preferred pronouns he, him. And uh, as with, you know, with with Brian and Ryan and Matt, I also love celebrating pride. Um, I think it's super important, especially having come from a religious background as well, to be able to live life authentically and out loud and let people see that you can be a gay man and also be other things, <laughs> you know. Um, so it's it's really, really great to, to celebrate pride every year. But my celebration of pride has always been complicated by the fact that there, as within society as a whole, there's there's deep-seated uh, racism and, and, and systemic biases in the gay community. And it sort of reflects in, in, in interesting ways. Um, so as I discussed in, in my podcast episode, gay men um, often are very frank about their sexual preferences. You know, uh, you go on uh, Grindr or, or Scruff or any of the, the, the many apps and you're just barraged with, with all these, oh, I like this and know this and know that. And, and so there's a lot of, you know, femphobia. There are a lot of preferences that are thrown around, but one of them that was usually seen as, as okay is, is preferences based off of race. Um, and people tend not to cause, call that racism. They call that uh, preferences. I've, I've seen uh, profiles that uh, even went to, so far as to say, uh, squinty eye, no reply, talking about Asian men. You know, really, really terrible stuff. No blacks, no femmes, no Asians was also a, a refrain that you would hear a lot on, on Grindr. And in, in having conversations with, with people uh, about these, uh, oftentimes it's, it's not completely clear to people why those preferences might not be great. Um, the place where systemic racism uh, comes from in the U.S., it's based off of uh, stereotypes. It's based off of not knowing the people that you have, that you have uh, uh, ill will towards. All of those really um, conspire in, 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 in sex and dating as well. So 
for the same reason that a police officer might be threatened by a black man that's holding a cell phone and thinks it's a gun, or the same reason why a bank might say that a black family isn't uh, as uh, ready for a mortgage as, say, a white family of the similar qualifications are. That can also extend to, to dating, in which you know a person of a certain race might not be worthy of, of, of love or suitable as a partner. Um, and all of those really, really come from the same place. So as a part of Pride, um, I like to personally uh, reevaluate my own sexual preferences, and I encourage others to do the same and really interrogate what those actually mean and where they where they actually might come from. And one really easy thing to do, uh, and I like I like to tell people, is to diversify even just your friend groups uh, because it's really it's really hard not to see uh, humanity in others when you when you get to know them on an intimate level. And the easiest way to do that is to make more friends. <laughs> so right. yeah, it, I think an important part of allyship during Pride is to evaluate these prejudices in the in the gay community and really um, interrogate them and, and try to to change them. Yeah, that's amazing. And honestly, I, I really think that the incredible part about that is, is that you're not you're not saying just like that somebody needs to be willing to like um, sit at the table because, you know, it's always fine for us to sit at the table. It's, it's somebody has to be willing to come to the table to, in the first place. So be willing to come to the table and then sit with that person and really get to understand them and feel them out so that you it, it bring that humani- uh, humanity to that person as well and, and start seeing more of the similarities instead of the other is really the big thing um, because at the end of the day we are all people yeah <laughs> and it it really doesn't it doesn't matter it's more about the value of that person's integrity than it is you know the shape or color of their skin or anything really yeah yeah yeah, yeah and while this is a specific problem in the gay community um, I think I don't know why uh, gay white men have like some higher privilege in our community to be so vocal about those things in the way that sometimes straight people aren't, at least on dating apps. But one of the solutions I offered when I did a speech about this was uh, looking at your Tinder matches. Are they proportionally representative of the population that you're swiping against? And if they're not, I think you brought this point up, like you really kind of have to ask yourself why and where the root of potentially even your subconscious comes from um, when, you know, picking potential partners. Yeah, so I, even I've done that. And I'm, you know, definitely, I'm not high and mighty here. I, I, no. I, 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 I scroll through white, 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 white. And, like, <laughs> and that there's, there's something going on there. And all, all of these um, forces that are operating on us that, you know, we'll see movies with, you know, two white romantic leads. And we see that over and over and over and over and over again. And uh, we'll see uh, TV shows in which, uh, you know, a, a strong white guy is, is uh, shown as, you know, the ultimate love and the ultimate catch all of that has to has to you know go somewhere and it, and, and it manifests itself in our in our own different preferences so it's even people of color i think including me we have yeah. to we have to look at these these preferences yeah that's really really a great point and honestly thank you so much for bringing that to the table for us and thank you for offering your experiences as well i mean it, it's really honestly just great to have you on and, and share with us Thank you for your vulnerability. (laughs) No, thank you. Well, thanks for joining us, Chris. Um, We'll go ahead and start uh, heading over to our next guest here. This guest actually came to us as a referral from Brian. Um, He is a friend of Brian's. Uh, They, them are a friend of Brian's. I I apologize. The guest that I'd like to bring in is George. Hi, George. (laughs) Hello. How are you? Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. How are you doing this evening? (laughs) I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. 
um happy good, pride good. and happy hump day yeah. and <laughs> yes we are nearing the weekend and it's so close <laughs> um yeah thank you for coming on with us it's really important to have you here um i am so thrilled that we we get to have you talk you sent me this amazing message um i kind of asked you for a bit of your self-identity and and i got this whole like interesting wall and i was like this is a very dynamic person this this person has so much going on in their life so please go ahead and take the floor and feel free to um you know let us know how you self-identify and tell us about yourself well my name is georgia and um i use the pronouns they them they there and as an alternative, I prefer no p- pronouns and worse comes to worse. I have uh, gone by he, him, his. Um, and I'm a, a genderqueer person and also an, an immigrant. My I guess my official visa status is legal alien, uh, which is kind of like a funny way of labeling us. And I am a taxpayer, just in case that the IRS is tuning in <laughs> and listening to this um, important, important PSA. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, just being, I guess, like under, understanding myself as always kind of outside of or under, having my identity be always understood nearly as as an opposition to uh, some of the mainstream. I've always kind of uh, faced some of uh, some pushback and suspicion and doubt, even five years when I started to understand myself as not a man as a result of the research that I was uh, doing and explored. I started this whole journey of self-discovery that really has spanned several years and still goes on, right? Because this is kind of like an ongoing thing for many queer people. Um, And I feel like the first uh, time that I've been experienced a little bit of that doubt and suspicion was through dating and uh, not really understanding uh, what it is that identifying yourself outside of the binary entails and um, receiving comments such as you don't really know yourself or you're going to understand yourself in a couple of years or you just um, want attention or um, you're confused and don't really know who you are, which have all been kind of like invalidating comments that um, have oftentimes happened from people within the community and people that either I was dating and sometimes even at work. However, during that journey, I oftentimes had to come back to myself and really st- uh, get reunited with that first motivation to even stay say out loud that I don't identify as a man and and start interrogating what does that mean for me of course just with like all many queer people I feel like I have a membership for therapy and although I deliver yeah. it too it's just very much of a necessity in coping with all of these kind of pushbacks and these um, power structures that you need to understand yourself and you need to kind of like find a stable ground to stand on and um, in reaction to in response to all of these kind of like to all this questioning from um, from the mainstream. So that was kind of my journey of uh, getting to uh, really be myself without the pressure of proving my identity to others and also starting to define for myself what does that look like and then also making the negotiations as I also tend to say that our identity is sometimes a negotiation that we have with the world and it can come as a result of what is the status of safety that we have what is the support system that we have around us so for many queer people the coming out process will really be a privilege 
and something that is not something everyone can access. So with that, even with pride and celebrating all of our diverse colors, I feel like the message can be too that we have patience with people who are still building those support systems and building those resources around them to create a kind of a nest where they feel comfortable in, you know, blossoming into the wonderful peacock or whatever other type of bird they are. Um, <laughs> and it's for, for me also kind of like understanding that oftentimes I've had to pass uh, during my time, even uh, even as, a, as an immigrant, I feel like I oftentimes come across as American, and even that was done um, understanding the biases that people oftentimes have and how to get ahead. Like oftentimes from queer community and people beyond the queer community, I've um, experienced kind of questioning on why I'm in the U.S. and whether I'm uh, coming here to steal resources or comfort jobs that are not made for me. And moving to the U.S. at the time of Trump, right after Obama, uh, not to make this political (laughs) or anything, I feel like just by my appearance, my political ideology is obvious, but um, I, I I did experience difficulty in trying to also... Uh, pass in ways that will make me seem more legitimate and professional. And I feel that that kind of those um, threads of competence and professional professionalism and passing and ability have often come up um, in those two identities because people will question you if you do not either fit in visually or in, in your behavior with the rest of the crowd. So I, I would like to remind also people that during um, time of pride, we can also question um, how can we create spaces together uh, with allies where we don't need passing and we don't need strategic passing and people kind of like activating their identity at times when they feel comfortable and safe and then passing with whatever is normative at the time. So inviting allies to help us create those spaces and um, so that we have um, less pushback on how we identify and how we present in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love what you said about like having the sense of security as well to to have that space and to have that um, ability to be comfortable in their identity. It's really about like really trying to maintain that atmosphere where we don't have to feel like coming out is even really a thing anymore. I think that that's kind of the end game, right? Is that like, if we are all so understanding and accepting of everyone, it's just like, well, this is how this person chooses to identify. And this is how their, their identity is true to them. Like, then that is for them. And that has nothing to do with me. And that's a beautiful thing. And just accepting people as they come to, to us. I think that's interesting. I We talked about the privilege of being able to come out. Um, but then in response to you, there's also a privilege with this future state worldview of not being able or not coming out at all. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even like with my family, my expectations, I would show up with a guy and no one would bat an eye. But there's an intense amount of privilege in knowing that I would be safe. And if my parents cut me off, I'm financially stable and don't have to worry about what they would think. So it's interesting, like even when you think of like the stereotypical gay agenda, what we want to get to right now in the status quo, so many of those things 
necessitate a level of privilege that exactly. most people don't have access to. And that's what I always tell everyone too, is that I had the privilege when I was coming out that I was able to tell my parents like, Hey, this is, this is what I know about me. And this is what I'm telling you now so that you know that as well. And I was able to be accepted by my family. I didn't have to worry about, you know, losing my sense of home, losing my stability when that happened. And like, that's just not the privilege that so many people have. Um, so letting people know also in, in your immediate surrounding friends, family, whoever they are, that like they have that security with you can be such a hugely impactful thing on their life. And I think that that's such a great thing that you really touched on. Yeah. For many people, it's going to take some time to get there, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. Well, um, that was a really amazing thing to uh, bring to the table for us. And again, um, we appreciate the beautiful part of the rainbow that you've brought to us today. So thank you for giving us your time. It was really amazing having you with us. Thank you for having me and happy Pride. Happy, happy Pride. Pride. <laughs> okay, so our uh, next guest that's going to be with us here is going to be uh, Victoria. And uh, Victoria came to me a little bit last moment, but... Uh, we're going to bring her in to talk about some of her experiences. So if we can, go ahead and bring Victoria in. Hi, Victoria. <laughs> um, yeah, hi, Victoria. Um, I am identified as she, her. I am a heteroromantic, asexual person, woman, lady. <laughs> um, uh, and if you want to get in more into detail, there in, within the ace community, there's different ways to describe your like attitude to sex or like and whatever so there ranges from sex favorable sex favorable sex neutral to sex repulsed i'm sex neutral which means that i can take it or leave it i will do it for like my partners but i'm it's not like something i want really or crave but it's not something i like hate either so um there's a much bunch of like different ways to describe that and i guess i go with sex neutral I guess, so about like intersectionality and like my identity, entities, I'm Asian, I'm Chinese, I'm also ace, um, and I guess like it's a really interesting intersectionality because being Asian, there's like two parts to it. One of them is like growing up, aceness felt like the norm because you're like, oh yeah, you're supposed to like not be interested in dating and then when you're just dating you're supposed to just date and sex is not on the table and i'm like great right i don't understand why this is a concern like this makes sense right this is normal for me <laughs> yeah and then um so this is i'm heteromantic which means that i like guys so like i like kissing guys and like hugging guys and i have crushes not really cr i don't know i guess, I guess ace crushes are a little bit different like normal people crushes but like not normal people but like aloe sexual people crushes but um Anyway, there's that. And then on the other side, you know, there's like as an Asian woman, you're like, oh, yeah, like yellow fever. Like everyone's like, oh, I want to try it. Asian. Which is girls, please never try that or think about that. It's really <laughs> nasty. And we, we are not your like, you know, your like toy or whatever. So, um, yeah, there's those two things about being Asian. And then on the ace side, there's a lot of stuff there. So there's like, it's really interesting. So the biggest thing is that there's like underrepresentation because there's a lack of exposure because it's like, because most ace people also tend to have a romantic orientation, you're like, oh yeah, I'm like, just like everyone else. Like, I'm either like, you know, straight because I like guys or like straight or like, you know, gay or bi or whatever. But the thing is, there's actually like a different dichotomy between romantic orientation and sexual orientation. And so just because you like one gender doesn't mean that your sexual orientation is the same. And you can illustrate this even more extreme example there are people who are like you know homoromantic heterosexual or 
or heteromantic homosexual, in which case that's like, that's like really split. And they like, I guess they probably identify as like bi, but that's even more complicated. But yeah, there's that. So then there's that. So there's a lot of people who don't know. So a good example of this is that a lot of the, my closest friends and the people I've dated are somewhere in the ace spectrum. There's gray sexuality, which means you like are sexually attracted once at a blue moon, maybe like once every five years, once every 10 years. You know, it really depends how you want to def- identify with the label. There's demisexual, which is, seems to be somewhat common, which is basically that um, you only get sexually attracted to someone after you've known them or like not known them, but like really emotionally connected with them. Imagine basically like no one turned you on until you have been your boyfriend for like you know, six months or something like that is basically demisexual. Or like, or you've like had this friend that you've known for like two years and like you're sexually attracted to that friend, but you're not sexually attracted to like your friend that you've known for like one month. Um, That's like just example. So it's just that there's a lot of different ways to do it. Um, My, a lot of stuff, some really close friends is demisexual. I, my boyfriend is demisexual and he didn't know this until I told him that I was ace and I told him to little look up what it was. And he's, and then we're talking about it and he's like, by the way, I, like, I think I'm demi. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. This is really helpful. <laughs> this makes a lot more sense. Okay. We can play with this now. We, we know where to go with this now. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I kind of like suspected because I'm like, mm, you don't seem to be approaching this like the average dude. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, but I think that there's also a lot of people like while dating that they have a lot of questions about it. So I usually like to have the person get to know me first before they, you know, start making assumptions about like what I do or what I don't do or like whether it means I'm a prude or like whatever, you know. Um, <laughs> there's been different ways this is manifested. One of them has been like back in college, I was like, not, flirting does not come naturally to me because I'm like, I'm not a flirty person. I'm just like, I'm your friend or like, I'm just going <laughs> to hang out with you. Like, I'm like, I like you because you're like a cool friend and I want to like, you know, whatever. But then like, or right. like, then they'll be like, oh yeah, you're like, you're just like a friend to me. And I'm like, oh, and I basically figured out apparently my mistake was that I didn't know how to flirt because that doesn't come naturally to me. <laughs> but I mean, that that's not something that all these people have. Like this is just exclusive, to, I guess, like I, this is just a problem I have personally or something I've seen personally. There's also erasure within the LGBT, sorry, erasure in general, but I've noticed it especially prevalent via the LGBT, in the LGBT community, which is kind of sad. Um, so erasure is basically saying like, oh, you're a snowflake, stop giving like titles for things that no one cares about, no one cares about, you don't fuck, like you're not experiencing any oppression. But no, this is legitimately, there's like struggles that AC people have, like being medically diagnosed as like, why don't you have a sex drive? Like libido is different from attraction. Because people can, I don't know, it's, there's a lot of memes about this. They're like, you know, like the dog that's like, it's like, it's like horny, no who, just horny. That's basically like how some people experience it. So like there's a lot of different things that then like, I don't know, this erasure about like the, the pride movement is for people like who can love who they love. No one's going to judge you for not loving like anybody like, you know, but there's a lot of other things like. I think like in some places they won't rent to like friends, they'll only rent to couples. And I think that's like part of it um i and there's like the medical thing there's a bunch of like different things that um i luckily haven't had this struggle of dealing with but i know that other people in the community have so there's that so i guess that's like a brief overview of like the main things um to be a good ally um i think the biggest thing is enthusiastic consent is extra important not like you can't generalize and say like an ace will or won't fuck you but like (laughs) a lot of them like like, like, but, like, I think that, like, they have to wa- want to be willing to do it, whatever reason it is. 
Um, and like, I think a lot of what times what happens is they try to like peer pressure you and say like, Hey, we've been dating for three months. Why won't you fuck me? And I'm like, I don't want to. And then like, you know, stuff like that. So, so I think that is important. Consent is extra important. And like, and then also communication of preferences and expectations. So like, if you know upfront that you're like not really a sexual person, you can say like, I sex is not a big thing for me, and like I don't like people who pressure me into it. Stuff like that is really important, and like talking about that is really important and really helpful. And then another note I have is there's also another thing that I am not a lot of people, other people have is called aromantic. Which is basically they don't have, they don't like like anybody. They're just friends with people, and that could come in different forms. There, there are aromantic sexual people, and there's aromantic asexual people, and um, they have their own struggles. And I can't speak about them because I'm not one of them. But that is another thing to consider. No, that's amazing. Um, and this is that's actually part of the reason why we wanted to really offer the floor to everyone and not really make this just like a a banter back and forth for the most part, but really to allow you to speak your truth on things is because Mm -hmm. we wanted to have that representation. Um, We did not want to try and speak for anyone else and put words in other people's mouths. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that that's amazing that you even touched on that about aromantics. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you said, I I don't identify as aromantic, so I can't Mm -hmm. speak to it. And that's why it's been so key having people like you on here, Victoria, because Mm -hmm. you really touched on a lot of brilliant things that none of our other guests were able to do so. Mm -hmm. And I I can't do that. Um, um, so thank you so much for sharing those really intimate parts of, of how, you know, you love and how you date. And, and mm-hmm. it's really amazing for you to bring that to us. Yeah, there's like a thing I saw before that was like, you can have love without sex, you can have sex without love, you can have, you know, there's different ways to do it. There's like, you know, all the different ways to love. So it's like even aromantic people who have, I guess, love in their own ways, like friend love. So one other thing, oh, one other thing worth mentioning, there's something called a queer platonic relationship, um, which is basically the way you think about is kind of like a, you know back when you were in like school and you had your best friend like best friend forever for life specifically like that one person you have like forever for life that's basically I think the essence of like a queer platonic partner it's like someone it's common for ace people it's also common for aromantic people but basically it's like one person you pick to like share your life with and it's usually like a you know, basically set her like a best friend, you would live with them and you like be each other's like emergency contact. You might like, you know, even choose to raise children together. There's a lot of different ways to do it. But um, that's another thing. So that's also another valid uh, form of relationship that I think is not commonly discussed. Yeah. Thank you for bringing so much terminology. I'm just going to read some of the chat comments here because mm-hmm. we have them. But I mean, UA said so many new terms I wasn't aware of. Julie chimed in as well and said, yes, I learned so much from you, Victoria. Um, you know, we're really just ha- uh, really happy to have so many of these. It looks like Julie also said you can have sex without love and love mm-hmm. without sex. Is, mm-hmm. It's really amazing quote. It really is, mm-hmm. you know, just a fantastic thing. Um, so mm-hmm. again, thank you for bringing so much to the table for us. Mm-hmm. I know you had such a limited amount of time so thank you for really oh I love it (laughs) I love it it's so great (laughs) well thank you this is why I was so happy to have you on when you messaged us and I'm really glad we were able to get you in so Mm -hmm. thank you for making time for us Victoria thank you for having me and feel free to message me if you have any questions oh I I definitely will thank you so much (laughs) happy pride happy pride our next guest is uh one of the community members as well so Um, I'm going to go ahead and bring that guest on now. Um, It is Amy. Everyone knows Amy, hopefully. Hi, Amy. (laughs) 
Hi, everybody. Um, so I'm Amy. Um, I'm a white cisgender woman. Um, I go by she and her, and uh, I am also bisexual. So here to bring that part yes. of the rainbow. <laughs> um, so. There's a few kind of particular challenges with being bi. There's a lot of challenges that I think we've already seen a lot of people share um, who are under the pride flag. And there's some kind of unique things to being bi and some that are, I don't know, shared with a lot of other things. But hopefully, um, if people are still tuned in, if you might learn a little bit of something to help you to be a better ally, um, but also maybe you might learn something that can help you be a better partner to either a current or future bi partner that you might have. So one of the things I want to bring up is erasure, um, which Victoria already gave a beautiful intro to um, and covered fairly well. Um, but basically, representation matters. And the world, I think, is becoming, or at least, I don't know, Western culture, I should say, is becoming more embracing of the fact that there's not just straight people. Like straight, I think, is still the default in a lot of media that we consume, um, but it's opening up. But one of the things that I see a lot is that it's, okay, now there's straight or there's gay. Yeah. You can be one of those two. Those are great. You can do those two things. Um, and that's really, really limiting, um, which is also something that I think think we heard in what Victoria was saying, there are a lot of options. There's a lot of ways to be. There's a lot of ways to love. There's a lot of ways to just live in the world and experience relationships with other people. And it's kind of interesting how many options aren't really represented. And bisexuality is definitely one of them. Something, a scene that I see frequently in movies and TV shows is there'll be a heterosexual couple that goes somewhere. And for whatever reason, the guy goes off to like go get them drinks or something. And then he looks over and sees his girlfriend is chatting with some guy. And he gets all jealous and upset, which we at Dateable know that that's probably not the sign of a healthy relationship. <laughs> but we'll move past that. Um, he goes over and the guy who was chatting up his girlfriend goes, oh, no, no, there's a misunderstanding here. Let me introduce my boyfriend. And then that's it. That's all that's said. Everyone goes, oh, ha, ha, ha. What a funny thing. Um, obviously a misunderstanding. He has a boyfriend. He's obviously gay. He's not hitting on the girlfriend. He might be. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, there, maybe he's opening up to a throuple. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, don't make assumptions. You never know what's going on. Also, totally not advocating for further jealousy either. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but someone, if there's a man with a boyfriend, he might be gay. He might be bisexual. If there's a man with a girlfriend, he might be straight. He might be bisexual. Like, if I'm dating a man, I'm still bisexual. If I'm dating a woman, I'm still bisexual. If I'm dating someone who's non-binary or genderqueer or anything else, I'm still bisexual. And that's still a really important part of my identity. Um, and it's something that I didn't realize was part of my identity for a really long time just because it's not really presented as an option. Um, I was in my 30s by the time I really kind of came to terms with the fact that I'm bisexual. And that was such a freeing thing and just kind of opened up a big part of my life. I was in a relationship at the time um, and still wasn't going to like go outside of that relationship. We were not monogamous and I was happy with that. Um, but just knowing that about myself was really freeing. And it took me a really long time just because the default is heterosexual. From the time I was a kid, I knew I was attracted to guys. So I just figured that's what I was. And now it's really nice to know that, I don't know, there's 
more out there, I guess. There's another aspect of myself that um, I get to explore. So yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of options for ways to be. I kind of want to highlight that. Um, Victoria was saying that a lot as well, that we really kind of narrow ourselves down and there's pros and cons to the labels that we give ourselves. And some of the pros are that, you know, the queer community can be a really incredible place where people talk about a lot of things that a lot of straight people don't really talk about, um, investigate and are curious and are open to things. And so those labels can help you find community, other people who are experiencing things the same way that you are or in a similar way to what you are. But they can also be a little limiting. And I think that there's also a resistance to, you know, it was kind of weird to come out in my 30s, like everyone I know a lot of the people in my life have been there for a long time and it's kind of weird for them to say, okay, well, this was how I always thought of you, but there's something different there now. But I think that as we learn more about ourselves um, and there might be a lot of people, hopefully a lot of people going and investigating some of these words and terms and things that we've been throwing out there today. Yeah, a lot of information. Yeah, <laughs> um, learning some more about yourself. Like maybe you never thought about whether your romantic attraction is the same as your sexual attraction. Like that's an interesting thing to explore. And, mm. you know, people might be learning more about themselves or more about their partners or other people or whatever. Mm. You know, just don't be afraid to embrace that or try it or you know you can be straight one day and then have a realization about yourself and then you know be bisexual the next day or whatever else you know life is a process of growing and learning and this is an area that isn't an exception to that to kind of sum up that point just remember that bisexuals exist um it's important because we might be hitting on your girlfriends but <laughs> for this next thing um we're probably not hitting on your girlfriend. <laughs> kind of the pushback that I get most about being bi if I'm dating someone and I, you know, mention that I'm bi or bring up to them, make sure that they know. There's a couple of main reactions that I get. And one of them is wild insecurity about, oh my gosh, you're bisexual. I don't think I can satisfy you because I'm only, you know, what I am and you want everything. You want more than that. That's a pretty big assumption to make. <laughs> and I'm not going to speak for all bisexuals. There's a spectrum. And people experience it in different ways. But generally speaking, most bisexual people or pansexuals are not walking around horny for absolutely everybody that they meet. Just like if you're straight or you're gay or you're anything else, you're probably not also attracted to every single person who happens to be the gender that you can be attracted to. Um, it's a matter of you can be attracted to everybody, not you are attracted to everybody. Right. <laughs> I think pretty much everybody has types that they go for. Um, and that's true for bisexuals as well, for the most part. And uh, the other thing that I get a lot is, um, particularly with guys, I think just because of the socialization that we get and things from media, oh, great, let's have a three-way. I am bisexual. Yeah. yeah. Not <laughs> no, I don't want to have a threesome with yeah. you and someone else. <laughs> <laughs> um, not everyone who's bisexual feels the same way. I am bisexual and also extremely monogamous like not gonna have a three-way with you this is not like an open invitation to like i don't know fulfill that particular <laughs> fantasy and i know that that's something that a lot of bisexual women in particular get a lot on social um not social media but um like dating apps and things is if you say you're bisexual on there, then you're going to get a ton of people coming in and going, Oh my gosh, fulfill my three-way fantasy. And there might be some who are open to that. Like, cool. Good on them. 
I'm not one of them. Please don't assume that everyone who's bisexual is one of them. So that's fun. Yeah, Amy, you touched on a lot of great additional points that Victoria did not bring um, as well. So, and that's again, one of the reasons why we wanted to have kind of these open intersectionality points here, because while Victoria did touch on a lot of really amazing things, you brought some amazing stuff to the table as well. Um, Janice in the chat, you know, you can be attracted, not you are attracted to everyone um, or not everyone, but both male and female. Um, Those are just like some key things. Again, having these um, different vantage points from our intersectionality is so important and really keeping to have these conversations with everyone um, is why you know it's so important to to keep this conversation going. So um, thank you for your time and and bringing everything you brought with us today. Happy Pride! Yeah, happy Pride! <laughs> All right. Well, um, in the aspect of keeping everything uh, going here, um, we're going to move into just the last part here. I'm actually going to open it up to Matt. I've done a lot of talking. I don't want to talk everyone's face off, but Matt and I actually come from a subset community of HIV positive. So, Matt? Yeah, we do. Um, oddly enough, it's one of the things that drew me to Ryan's grinder profile uh, <laughs> and, and into this adorable face. <laughs> but it's something that we have a lot of discussions about, and we've each had kind of unique experiences um, with uh, finding out we were HIV positive and how we confront it in our own lives. And especially for uh, the gay and trans community, it's something that's kind of been ingrained in us uh, since we came out. For example, my parents didn't care that I was gay. The first concern they had is, oh my god, you're going to get AIDS and die, which um, Ryan and I are living examples. You can take your one pill a day, be perfectly healthy. Uh, Yeah! (laughs) Um, But that's kind of the uh, crafted reality that the straight world has created for us. And I think oftentimes it creates a lot of fear and anxiety uh, of something that now is is much more manageable. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of systemic struggles being HIV positive. Uh, for example, if you say that at work, you could be put on uh, an ADA list since HIV is an ADA uh, compliance subset. Uh, in addition, there are a lot of states that have extremely restrictive laws, and the state we live in, Ohio, is one of them. So obviously I would never do this and now because I have him, um, but Ohio's laws pretty much state that if I were to go on a first date and I wanted to start making out with a guy even, um, I'd pretty much have to disclose my status, and if I don't, uh, it's a class two felony that can get me up to 20 years in prison. It's not based on transmission, it's not based on intent to transmit, it's just the fact that I have a disease, which again, because I'm undetectable, I can't pass on to anyone else. Uh, And really the, frankly, homophobic power structures that create the laws uh, that place those restrictions on us. Um, and that's something that the the gay community or the gay agenda, if you will, um, is starting to address. They realize that the HIV AIDS epidemic did not end in the 80s, even though it's much more manageable now, but they're trying to take away some of the systemic or structural injustices uh, that that community faces as well. Yeah. Um, and a couple of points that you kind of touched on there, I think is really amazing is A, yeah, We've had very similar experiences in the uh, coming out process of coming out um, where like that was a primary concern with my parents as well. But another point that you kind of touched on was that like uh, ability to have this disease that is supposedly, you know, the life ending disease. Right. But here we are living proof. Um, I think I'm pretty healthy. I 
you're pretty healthy. Yeah. Um, we both take our medications, so you know we're we're medication compliant. And um, can you explain a little bit about what U equals U means? Yeah. So um, actually, this is a really cool thing. Uh, the CDC officially came forward um, because it refused to take a stance on this for a while. Now they have. So basically, when you take your medication, um, you have what's called your viral load in your body, and that suppresses the virus from reproducing in your body to a point to where it becomes basically undetectable in your blood. Um, when they take your blood and they test it for the virus, um, they either can't detect it at all or it's um, it kind of fluctuates between what the number is, but most people operate on the less than 20 per volume they measure. So essentially that means you are at an undetectable status, which means you are untransmissible. So U equals U means untransmissible. You cannot actually give the disease to someone. Um, before they used to believe that, you know, okay, if you like have sex with somebody or um, you expose your blood to someone, even if you are undetectable, you could transmit it. Um, after tons of studies that they've done um, and research behind it, they have been able to certifiably say, okay, if you are taking your medication, you're medication compliant, you're undetectable, you cannot transmit the disease to someone. Um, so I could literally cut my hand and put it into a cup not that I would ever do this because that's wild, but, um, and have someone drink it and uh, they wouldn't be able to pick it up for me, at least by the CDC standards, the way we understand the virus, that should not be a concern. Somebody who's medication compliant, not somebody that you should be afraid of or worried about. I'll never forget. I was out with um, some friends and a friend of a friend took a sip of uh, from a drink after me and then I had to have a discussion with them to explain like why they shouldn't be afraid of getting HIV from me because they took a drink from my drink and it's it's again it's that education thing I was willing to come to the table to meet that person and, and kind of quell their fear and uh, bring that understanding and that's kind of one of the big points of everything that we're doing tonight is really helping making sure that we're operating not just allies outside of the community but allies within it um, we are all allies to each other advocating for each other and that's actually one final point that I wanted to bring up um, I host a charity walk um, there's going to be some information that I'll be posting on my personal pages about it but it is to be benefit HIV treatment and testing in the local community here in Dayton. But um, if anybody is interested in um, participating in that in some way, you can do so virtually. It will be happening in October. Um, I won't speak too much more about it there. I'll just leave it at that. But I would love any support from the community. Any kind of donations or time or just participation is all appreciated um, because it does go to advocate for HIV positive people in the uh, local Dayton community here where I'm from. But that being said, uh, we had a lot of really amazing people come and share their stories and experiences. I wish we had so much more time to share with everyone. I've already taken so much of your time already. You know, it's so important that everyone is willing to kind of sit down and watch this and enjoy hearing everyone's stories with us. Um, we'll go ahead and invite Julie and UA back on. Hey. <laughs> hey, Julie. Oh, I'm still here. Okay, I'm here. You guys hopefully here soon. This was so amazing. I just okay. want to say, like, I have personally learned so much. Thank you so much for leading this. And thank you to all the speakers that came out tonight. You all, like, were, again, just, like, the right mix of, you know, entertaining, but also insightful, educational. Like, we all walked away learning so much and really, you know, supporting each other in this community. I got to say, I've been part of a few Pride talks in the last week. And this was the most 
informative. This I learned, I I was like, what am I going to, what's something new I'm going to learn in this one in the next hour? I I have an ongoing list of all the new information I learned. And just, I think it's just so enlightening to hear this talk about identity, because I, I guess like for me, Amy talking about the default being heterosexual, it's true. Like we all default to that and we can't, there's a shift going right now and I feel it and I feel like this is no longer the default and it's it's fascinating to see the shift and I'm so excited for what's to come. Yeah, and I think that's all thanks to all of the diverse uh, people that we were able to bring on. And again, I just want to thank everyone. I know Matt is as well appreciative of everyone. So thank you all so much for coming and sharing your experiences with us. Thank you, Ryan and Matt, for for doing this entire talk. You guys need a spinoff show. That's what Julie was texting me I about. I was. I was. <laughs> okay. So shall we wrap it up in true dateable fashion all together? Let's do it. <laughs> we got to give it a stay dateable at the yeah. end, right? <laughs> Everyone at home, do this also in your homes. Yell it from the rooftops. <laughs> stay dateable! Happy Pride! The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag Stay Dateable and trust us, we look at all of those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.